0: Well, how's your week been? Holidays? Busy? Yeah, I can see it all. What's the week looking like ahead? Busier? <laughs> I saw Stuart's calendar uh, just a little while ago, and um, I thought my week was busy. <laughs> this is insane. Please pray for this guy. He works super hard. He's got a lot of irons and a lot of fires, and uh, he's got a lot of people to... Catch up with and see, and a lot of responsibilities involved in running the church. Um, keep him in your prayers because we can't do this job without your prayers. I thought my week was busy until I saw Stuart's. We've had a very busy year ourselves uh, and our family for a variety of reasons, and uh, it's often good to sort of stop and draw breath and uh, reflect on Scripture. Just in doing that, I think, uh, I thought, yeah, when you retire, you probably have a lot of time. Stuart Grant, take note. (laughs) Retirement is not what it seems. As any of the retirees in this congregation will tell you, we don't know when we had time to actually do a full-time job, do we, (laughs) Geordie? No. (laughs) Or anyone else over there. Our lives are busy. And despite, let's see if this is going to work, all right. And despite Australians having like a very laid-back, easy-going image, most of us tend to be overstressed, overworked, overbusy, workaholics. We all seem to be in a hurry, don't we? Rushing from one thing to the next. And if you make a to-do list, which I often find very helpful, particularly at the end of the day, you can actually see you've done things. But our to-do lists seem to be overlong. Containing all sorts of things. And we find ourselves racing from one appointment to the next, or one school function, or children's activity in the afternoons to the next thing. And we often hear people saying, slow down, take a break, take a rest. <laughs> and if, um, as a test, have you ever forgotten your mobile phone, left it at home or something? you feel kind of stressed and bereft that you're not in contact with the rest of the world? That's a test that you're over busy. We can't live without our mobile phones these days. We need to be in constant contact with whatever's going on in our world. And then when we do relax, do you feel guilty? Yeah. And if we're at work, the only times we seem to take off work is when we're actually sick and we actually can't do any more. We're slowed down by sickness. You know, this hurly-burly, rushing life is not the life that God wants us to live. The Living Bible paraphrases Psalm 127, verse 2, which I think is the one on the screen. It says, it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to go home and go to bed. Some people feel that they that if they fully commit to serving Jesus, that he will give them even more to do in their overly busy lives. But then we come to Psalm 23. Beautiful psalm, well-known psalm. It's got some absolute treasures in Psalm 23. I just want to look at this one verse today. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, if you're a sheep, you would understand this because... This is the perfect picture of sheep paradise. Lush green grass, beautiful to eat. Beside quiet or still waters. Sheep don't like to eat or drink from running water. So still water. We're watered, we're fed. It's referring to rest and refreshment. You see, God wants us to live a whole, balanced and complete life. He doesn't want us to be working all the time. If you really give your life to Jesus, he's actually probably not going to add more to your over-busy schedule as so much as he's going to take some things out in order to slow us down. I guess if we're honest, most of us would say we'd like to slow down and Relax relax some more. To be able to just stop and smell the roses. My secretary in my last church often used to sort of say, slow down, Jeff, just stop, smell the roses, draw breath. And I used to just keep hurrying on and try to sort of appreciate her concern for my well-being. But surveys have shown that we have significantly less leisure time now than what we did a decade or two ago that people are working more and enjoying it less. So this morning I'd like to share with you some very helpful advice from God that shows us how to relax. And it's easy to remember if you use the word relax. We're going to use a little acronym. What does God say to do? Well, there's, here we go. Relax. Firstly, realise your worth. And then E, enjoy what we already have. Then limit our labour adjust our values, and exchange our fatigue for God's peace. Relax. I just want to unpack each of those little things as we go. First is to realise our worth. The reason most people overwork is because they confuse their work with their worth. We think that if we work a whole lot, if we achieve a whole lot, then we're worth a lot. We get our primary identity from what we do or what we've done or achieved. And we confuse what we do with who we are. And by way of example, what happens when we meet someone? After we find out their name, usually the next question is, what do you do? Where do you work? We get our worth, we think, from our work. But the Bible doesn't teach that. It says our worth does not depend on what our work is. Some of you probably grew up with a little phrase in your head that says you're a nobody, you're not worth much. Maybe a teacher told you that. Maybe a former friend, maybe a brother or sister. Maybe a parent said you're never going to amount to much. And the real reason you overwork is you think, I'm going to show them. I'll prove my worth by what I can achieve, what I can accomplish. I'll show them. And yet, we never seem to accomplish enough to feel satisfied. These little messages, you know, can last a lifetime. And years later, you're still hearing a little inner voice that says, You've got to keep paddling, you've got to keep working, you've got to prove your value, your significance, your worth by working hard. But the solution is to realise what God says about us. In James 1.18, it says, God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might be the most important of all the things he made. You see, God says we matter more than the rest of creation. We don't actually have to prove our worth. We were made by our loving Father. We were made by God. We are worth something and God doesn't make junk. And if you really understand and feel what you are worth to God, not just know it up here but really know it here, that you are valuable to God, it will change your whole life, your whole perspective on life. You see, if I understand that God likes me and that I can like myself, then if you don't like me, that's your problem. I don't spend my whole life trying to win the approval of other people. I don't have to. I don't need the approval of other people to be happy, to be content. All I need is to realise how valuable I am to God. You don't have to prove your worth by overworking. God says, you're okay. God says, I've engraved you in the palms of my hands. Jesus died on the cross and they put nails through his hands and he says, I love you this much. I have, your, on the, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. And he can never, ever forget how much he loves you. Isn't that wonderful? Realize our worth. The next letter is E. Enjoy what we already have. In Ecclesiastes 3.13 it says, all of us should enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. You see, people can be so preoccupied with getting more and more that they actually don't stop and enjoy what they already have. We get caught up with the desire to acquire. We try to keep up with our friends or our neighbours or our colleagues. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Do you want to say that again? (laughs) We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. We buy more and more and we get overextended financially. We spend all of our time making payments on these things we've bought and inevitably this will affect our relationships and these relationships begin to deteriorate as a consequence. But that's not the way God wants us to live. In Ecclesiastes four six, it says, "It is better to have only a little, with peace of mind, than be busy all the time." Go to Africa, and sit with an African in a small little house, with all the possessions around them in about a three meter square room, bed, kitchen, the works, and yet these Christian believers have a contentment that we Struggle to understand. They have a piece that passes all understanding with so little. You see, the greatest things in life aren't things. When you get to the end of the life end of your life, you probably won't be saying, "I wish I'd spent more time at work." You're more likely to say something like, "I wish I'd spent more time with my family." We acquire all these things, all these possessions, but we're not going to take any of them with us. You don't see a box trailer full of uh, possessions following a hearse to the cemetery. We can't take any any of these material things with us. So the message there is enjoy what you have while you've got it and don't worry about getting more all the time be content, be at peace with what you have and what God's blessed you with. The next letter is the letter L, limit our labour. You know, we must make a conscious decision to make time for other things besides work. We have to decide how many hours we realistically want to spend working each week. And then we need to stick to it. We need to schedule our time for ourselves, We need to schedule time for spending time with God alone. We need to. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) That's why I'm not wearing a headset today. We need to spend time, uh, schedule time, allocate time to spend with our family. These are important elements in our lives as well as our work. Limiting our labour is especially important for two groups of people. For those who are self-employed, if you're self-employed, the tendency is to never stop working. You bring work home, never take time off, you're not on a nine-to-five job and you keep the work with you all of the time. I don't need to elaborate anymore. But the second group is single parents. I don't know how you do it. Work and manage a family at the same time. You of all people need to learn to set some limits for yourselves if you haven't already done so. The fact is you can put so many irons in a fire that you actually put out the fire. There's a little story about a lady who called a pastor one day and she was very upset. She was angry. She said, Pastor, I called all day Monday and couldn't get through to you. The pastor responded, well, I'm sorry, but Monday is my day off. And the woman responded, well, the devil never takes a day off, does he? And the pastor very wisely replied, well, yes, and if I didn't take a day off, then I'd just be like the devil. It says in Exodus 20, verse 9 and 10, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is to be a day of rest dedicated to me. God says that one day off every week is the rule. This is the fourth commandment. It's not an option. It's not one of the ten options. It's a commandment. And it's so important that God put it up there with don't commit adultery and don't murder. That's how serious God takes this. Every seventh day, you take a day off. And if you're not taking a day off, it means you're breaking the Ten Commandments. God says, do it. Why? Well, the Bible calls it the Sabbath. The Sabbath means a day of rest. In Mark 2, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to benefit man. And in Colossians, Paul says, it doesn't matter what day you choose, as long as you choose one day every week as your Sabbath day. Sunday is generally not my Sabbath. It's a work day. And when I was working full-time, I took Thursday as my day off. Don't call Stuart on a Thursday. That's his day off. We need to respect our pastor's time off. He needs it as much as we all do. You have a good sermon illustration today, Stuart. (laughs) Well, what should you do on your day off? What should you do on your Sabbath? Well, firstly, you don't use it to catch up on the work you haven't finished during the week. So what should you do on your Sabbath? Well, firstly, three things. Firstly, rest your body. If you don't take time to rest your body, your body will make time to rest itself, either in the hospital or with a cold or a flu or some other ailment. Our best requires rest. You know, during the French Revolution, they outlawed Sunday as a day of rest. But within a few years, they had to reinstate it, not for religious reasons, but because the health of the nation had collapsed. They were all burnt out. Do you feel guilty when you relax? Let me tell you that Jesus didn't. He took time off. So are you busier than Jesus? Is what you're doing more important than what Jesus did? Think about it. Jesus took time off on the Sabbath to rest. So must we. It's a command. So also on a day off, we should recharge our emotions. So rest your body, recharge your emotions. What things recharge you emotionally? Some people need quietness. You may need recreation. But I'd encourage you to find out what energises or invigorates you and make time for it. Do it. You may need to make time for relationships too. We were made for relationships. You know, an article in Time magazine a little while ago talked about the stress, anxiety and depression that was so prevalent in our society. It basically said that we weren't, weren't living the way we were supposed to be living. We were designed to seek trusting relationships and the problem is that too few of our contacts are of the natural, intimate kind. The article concluded that we need to make time for relationships. And then thirdly, after resting our body, recharging our emotions, on our day off we also need to refocus our spirit. The Bible calls this worship. Worship brings things into perspective. And when we come into church with a big problem, worship puts things into perspective. We have more energy to deal with the problem. And we have more understanding. We get God's eyes on the whole thing. So as well as on our day off, we need time alone with God each day, not just an hour or two on a Sunday morning. We need to just allocate that time each day to refocus and refresh our spirit, but more so on our Sabbath day. You see, if we're too busy for God, we're also too busy. We're missing out on one of the very things we're made for. Okay, let's bring all this home. We need to adjust our values. In order to reduce busyness in our life, we must change our thinking about what is important. Ecclesiastes 4.4, 4, I think, yeah, says, I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things their neighbours have. You see, we have to stop and say we're not going to get caught up in the rat race of always getting more and more. There are some things more important than acquiring more. Jesus said in Mark 8, What good is it for a man to gain, the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Is it worth it? Ask yourself this question about every area of your life. For example, you may be making great money right now, but are the kids receiving your time and attention? Are they receiving good parenting? Is your marriage flourishing? Make time for your marriage. It's a precious, precious thing. And if you haven't signed up for the October 22nd Saturday Marriage Enrichment Day, do it. You will benefit. Your family will benefit. Take time to enrich your marriage. Lastly, we come to the letter X, which is exchange our fatigue for God's peace. Taking a bit of liberty there, but never mind. But this gets to the very root of stress and fatigue. There are three kinds of fatigue there is physical fatigue, tired muscles. You identify with that. There's emotional fatigue, tired emotions, feelings. And we're just flat, depressed, down. And then there is spiritual fatigue, a dry spirit. And that's the deepest kind of fatigue. You may need a holiday, a break. But you know a holiday will not help these last two. You need more than just time off to recharge your emotions and refocus your spirit. You need to nurture your relationship with God. You know, you can take a two-week holiday to Fiji or Bali or somewhere like that, and hopefully a volcano doesn't get in the way. But when you come back, you're still going to have the same problems. The pressures are still going to be there. The same problems are going to be there. And it means more... What I'm talking, it, Talking about is it means more than just taking time off, it means readjusting our values and exchanging our stress and fatigue for God's peace. You know, a little child does not like to lie down to rest. Parents, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing heads nodding. You know, resistance to rest is a mark of immaturity. If you're always working and never taking any time to rest, it not only says that you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments, but it says you're immature. You've got a childish view of life. You know, sheep actually don't like to lie down and rest. In Psalms 23 verse 2 it says, He makes me lie down. Key word, he makes. That's a forcing That's God insisting. That's the good shepherd insisting, stop. I've provided good pasture for you. I've provided water for you. Now stop and rest. I wonder, has God ever had to make you lie down? certainly has in my life, various times. Through sickness or other things, it just... Caused us to stop. Difficult, but God insisted on it because He's got our best interests at heart. And that's the thing God is our good shepherd, He knows us, and He will make us stop and lie down because we, He cares about us, because we matter to Him. So we need that relationship with Jesus, our good shepherd as we heard from the first reading and our good shepherd who will help us set an appropriate pace in our life. I found a great paraphrase of Psalm 23. I'd like to share that with you. Yes, I think you can almost read that but I'll read it. It says, the Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest at intervals. He provides me with the images of stillness to restore my serenity. He leads me in the way of efficiency to calmness of mind, and this guidance is peace. And even though I have a great many things to accomplish this day, I will not fret, for His presence is here. His timeliness, His all importance, will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity, anointing my head with the oils of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows and surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hours. For I shall walk in the place of my Lord and dwell in his heaven forever. Isn't that great? Kind of nails it, doesn't it? We need a pace setter to set the pace of our life so we don't go too slow or too fast. And the only person wise enough to do that, who knows us inside out better than we even know ourselves, is Jesus. We need a relationship with with him, where we exchange his peace for our stress and fatigue. And when we live for God, it's not only the right way, it's the healthy way. The whole way, the balanced way and the most relaxing way. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all of you, who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The load I give you to carry is light. Are you stressed, fatigue, tired, weary? Jesus says, come to me. I'm not going to load more on you. The message paraphrases this verse this way, and I'll finish with this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would, well, we thank you, Lord, that you do watch over us, that you are our, our shepherd who loves us and cares for us more than we can ever imagine. Lord, help us to take note of what you say, what you command in taking time off, in relaxing in your your spirit. Lord, may we live our lives glorifying you and honouring you in every way possible, doing things at your pace and in your will. And Lord, if we need to correct some things, we make some decisions to change the way we are doing things, we pray that you give us the courage and the wisdom and discernment to make those changes, to make those decisions so that we can live our lives um, honouring you in every, every way possible. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.